Sign fuck. Henry Kissinger get died last night. Pop the fucking champagne. <laughs> I was literally in a bar drinking. I got the message on my phone. Immediately I get a call from my sister. She's just like, Henry Kissinger died. It was adorable. <laughs> and uh, all uh, like, I know, I know. And then I bought the whole bar a shot. This fluttery like flute music in the background of the announcement. <laughs> Robert, Robert, come quick. <laughs> come, come. The most wondrous thing. What day is it? Yeah, what day is it? <laughs> it's Henry Kissinger's death day, sir. Get me the fattest Get the fattest find. bird you can fucking find. <laughs> I'm going to fuck the shit out of her. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> No, and I, I had a great night last night. Drank copious amounts, got tackled into a bush. It was awesome. I did get her number, so cheers. You know, that's funny because you made it sound today like you were some sort of victim. Like this was our problem that you got tackled into a bush. You said, be nice to me. I got tackled into a bush by a woman whose phone number I got. And I, was, and I so poignantly allowed that you had been tackled by a woman that you were vaguely desirous of obtaining contact information for ergo this was not a, a victim crime i have a question for y'all now that he's dead who's the next sort of prominent like bad american politics uh politician warhawk you know who whoever the corrupt politician who like when he dies everyone's gonna be like fuck that guy <laughs> <laughs> I would have said Colin Powell, but I guess he's dead. I, I kind of missed that bit of news. Yeah, I think I, I, I read a wrote. take on Twitter today, now that you mentioned it, that no one was like dunking on Colin Powell and they thought that was strange. And it's like, <laughs> like he got away with it. Like he just, he got to die with a little bit of peace. <laughs> he got away with it. Yeah. <laughs> the madman. I feel like if any administration's going to get away with it, it's going to be the Bush administration just because they oh. proceeded so He's many... basically already got away with it. Oh, yeah. People are like, ah, he was he was just a, a country bumpkin who fumbled his way into the White House. He, yeah, he was just a, he was kitschy. I guess it does have to be Dick Cheney then that that that's that's who we're rooting Cheney, for next. Yeah. Uh, I want Cheney's head. That's true. Isn't he dead? Nope. No, he's still no alive. Cheney's still alive. Oh, unfortunate. While we're on the subject of um, honoring or not the dead, I'm going to give a quick shout out to uh, Shane McGowan of the Pogues died today. Oh, that's right. That's a real right. one. I've been listening to that most of the morning. As I yeah. recover, what uh, what song did they do? Because I actually don't know this. Uh, Fairy Tale of New York. They did uh, the freaking Irish Rover. They did Dirty Old Town. Fucking oh, Old Town amazing so punk, like amazing icon. Yeah. So for context, Malcolm Shane McGowan uh, was a Celtic punk rock icon of the 1980s, and he did so many drugs and smoked so many cigarettes and drank so much whiskey that all of his teeth rotted out of his head. And so, like, when people were dying in 2016, left and right, it was shocking that he was still alive. <laughs> I mean, he he survived COVID. That's he impressive. Did. And uh, I, I would also like to say that a uh, dear close friend of all of ours passed away, Glenwood. Rest in peace. Can we all go around and share some stories about Glenwood? I'll start. Um, he taught me the trombone. Wow. Intimately? It was a rusty. rusty. Yeah, it was a rusty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit. <laughs> so you're making me Google Glenwood. I feel bad. What? What What do you mean you're Googling Glenwood? I remember one time at Brennan's down in McCaff. He taught me the meaning 
of what it meant to be a man. Yo, same. We played Buck Hunter on the arcade machine all night. Yeah, he would do that. And he, he punched me in the eye. That's That sounds like him. I'll never forget it. There's a lot of dead Glenn Woods. <laughs> Glenn Wood, he, uh, he founded my second favorite uh, California town after Inglewood. Um, <laughs> he combined Glendale and Inglewood into one town. Healed the divide. He got them together. Now it's Glenwood. And he hosted yeah. their inaugural Folk Fest, which I think we can all remember Glenwood Folk Fest 1998. Yeah. <laughs> you got me tickets, so I, I can't really forget it. I'm being yeah. gaslit yeah. right now. You know, thanks thanks to him, he got, you know, before Jerry Springer passed away, he got Jerry to be the mayor of that town in Ohio. That's true. Yeah. Hey, now, Sasha, real, real quick question before you continue. Yeah. Uh, who the fuck's Glenn Wood? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, like genuinely, That's... who the fuck is Glenn Wood? <laughs> Robert, it's Glenn Wood. Don't you do know. this to me. Ugh, you're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> we I all shared our memories. <laughs> god damn it our very real memories yeah you had one job and that was to share a memory of glenwood my memory of glenwood is that i am right now trying to remember who he is so great job no tears all around wet there was nary a dry face in the place ever the realist he simply cannot be separated from. I, I think he, I think robert may have gotten a concussion from being pushed in that bush by that woman <laughs> that's that's it it's not the first time robert's been pushed into bush <laughs> Push into Bush. Yeah. Also, the name of my solo album. That makes it sound like you're trying to convince people to grow out their pubic hair. Like, come on, Push you can. The Bush. I feel like that's also like how they were trying to get like punks to vote for George W. Bush in like the early 2000s. <laughs> Rock the, the vote. Bush. Push the Bush. Push. So uh, I have I have an update. Um, I, I feel like now should, we should do a bit of a, a production meeting mid. Uh, Mid- oh mid-episode. yeah, mid recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we um, always do it. I I want to want to give you a brief update um, as to our our TikTok presence, and I'm proud to announce that the Seinfuck TikTok has officially been blocked by the Boston Bruins Hockey Club. Yeah. Wait, amazing news. That is. Is true. this because we called Marshand a rat so many times? It yeah, essentially. So uh, recently. <laughs> They had a video come out because they had a dad's trip. Ooh. We may get into yeah, yeah. And all of the the dads were doing this piece for TikTok, and this very um, rodent like man uh, gets in front of the camera, and he's like, "Hi, I'm Steve Marshand. I'm Brad Marshand's dad." <laughs> and he goes. Yeah, so a story from childhood. Uh, when Brad was about 10 years old, I, I saw him with a piece of paper and he was just signing his name over and over again. And <laughs> I said, Brad, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm practicing my autograph for when I make the NHL. And it moved on to the next dad, but he was the first one. And I commented using the the, the company TikTok and basically just in quote said, yeah, when he was 10 years old, I was with Brad and I saw him slew footing kids on the playground. And <laughs> <laughs> it kept getting taken down because I kept posting that over and over again. Yeah. They were like, no. What do we have to do to get you to stop implying that Marchand is the dirtiest player in the NHL? And that's when a deal was brokered. That that is that is a great milestone, Sasha. Thank you, thank you for letting us be a part of it. It was months in the making. We we were really <laughs> really gunning for this one. I was I was just wondering uh, which uh, which father 
Brad Marchand fucked on that trip. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I need context to well, that. I'm glad you asked, Robert. You getting into you it? See, you see, there's a, a big scandal in the NHL right now, the National Hockey League for those uninitiated. And uh, it has to do with a troubled franchise called the Chicago Blackhawks. One of their star players, Connor Bedard, has a special relationship with a hire they brought on specifically to mentor him by the name of Corey Perry. Was brought on to be a father figure for Connor. The problem is, no one told Corey that the uh, father figure was not literal. He did not have to literally try to become Connor Bedard's father. And, uh, well, there's a very suspicious suspension on the Blackhawks tonight. <laughs> okay, okay. I think it's actually a waiver, a firing, if you will. Yeah, he had his contract terminated. And then, like, there was all this, like, secrecy. And then they were like, we can't talk about it. But the thing that really bothered me was the fact that, like, when the rumors there was like this obvious joke that came about which was like oh Corey perry fucked connor bedard's mom like that was the joke that was that was the thing that was going around hockey twitter people were having fun with it and every fucking nhl like insider pundit like whoever all had the same talking point which clearly came from the chicago blackhawks which is they're like I don't understand where these disgusting rumors yeah, have come from. This is not true. <laughs> yeah, you fans are filthy. Like you're, you're your minds gross. are in the fucking so gutter. By, it's so true. by denying it, they've encouraged it. I think the thing that's crazy to me is that first of all, the NHL is constantly lacking uh, any sort of personality, any sort of fun. I was listening to Steve Angle podcast, and he was like scolding fans. He was just like, "So tell me how, like, how is it funny to imply that like Corey Perry fucked Connor Bedard's mom? Like, <laughs> oh, what's, the what's the funny? How is that? <laughs> what's not the humor funny? in that?" Steve Angle such a plug, though. Yeah, it's because it's like first of all, he is a a, a nerd, and then he would be going like, "I'm a parent now," and I'm like, "Fuck you!" Like, listen, you fucking you know numbers stat nerd guy. Like, we're having fun. Yeah, all right, I think we're Shannon having too. a good time. Shannon too was like, "It's pretty awful." The idea of infidelity is not very funny. Why would it be <laughs> the funny? The idea of infidelity. <laughs> yeah. He's and not even poo-pooing the fact yeah. that. But at the same time, I don't care how seedy it is. It has to be the point where, like, if they just shut up about it, if they didn't say anything, it wouldn't have been a thing. Oh, it would have gone away for sure. Until the yeah. statement came out, if they just said nothing, it would have been fine. But, like, and, and by the way, the fact that Corey Perry acknowledges this rumor in a statement is so funny. That is, to me, what makes it true. He's, he's just like, by the way, I'm not sure how this got out that it was having to do with some of the teammates' family members. Like, all right. Okay, dude, you fucked her. Just just be like, the yeah. read the first letter of, of every sentence of the statement. Just, My God, it spells out it. MILF Hunter. <laughs> I think the problem is, is that the league comes from essentially Canadian culture and like we were a very servile people and we we're like we don't like to rock the boat generally whereas the American leagues are just so freewheeling in their personalities yeah well I want to say this right now muddy the, the, he, first of all yeah you're muddy people but that's a good thing the, it, the NBA had the same scandal happen to them <laughs> like like 15 years ago when LeBron James's mom fucked a player on his team by the name of Delonte so West funny, by the who way. like who, who's never denied it he's just like yeah yeah I, I did shit. get down with how, how do you play Gloria James you can't he's your kryptonite <laughs> yeah he can he, he dribbles in your face and says, yeah like, they were in the mother. same team I, I maybe that's why he didn't trade or yeah at the same time this scandal in the NHL was happening and I put scandal in quotes 
the NBA was having a scandal in which oh. a player by the name of Josh Giddy was accused of sleeping with a six, like a 17 year old. Oh He's like 22 in Australian, but and still, Australian? it was like they're having a whole. No, he did it in Oklahoma. Here's, here's <laughs> the details: is that he plays for OKC. This happened like a year ago, and a lot of the communications got leaked. And it's hilarious where like he's implicated pretty hard. Like there's a Snapchat that this girl sent where it's like just fucked Josh Giddy lol, and he's standing in the background shirtless. <laughs> he's a white boy. I remember that. And the thing is, is that he he's saying like plausible deniability. Like I didn't know she didn't disclose that she was underage. She was appearing in like clubs like she's she had a fake id and she was getting into clubs and so like he's like no 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 like this you can sue the club for that can't you it doesn't matter yeah Go you ahead. can yeah and the the thing is it's that okc apparently was brought in and like they were made aware of this a year ago they they know this has been going on and it only just came to light and so Oof. with that in mind they went back and they saw the end of year conference that they did with all the players and the coaches and the coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder was asked, what do you think of when you think of a player like Josh Giddy?" And he stands there in silence for 15 seconds. I think he's a fucking pedophile. I think he's an pedophile. <laughs> it's better than that. He stands there in silence. He like does that thing where you look up and furrow your brow as if you're trying to think of the right words. And after 15 seconds of silence, he goes, age is a number. Oh my god. So he like thought so he That's like way thought, worse, you're right. So somehow he thought like the news already broke or something that like in the internal discussion had already broken. He was trying to get underneath it. Like I'm so confused. I think he was just like, This player's caused us so much frustration that I just want to say something about him, but he can't say anything <laughs> good about his character. He's just like you remember that uh what was that was that on another Oklahoma team, by the way? Where it's like a football coach, and they're just like, "What do you think of the execution of your team so far?" He's just like, "Well, I'm in favor of execution. I hope this whole team gets executed." (laughs) (laughs) I remember that was great. I love that. Well, you said you. So, Sasha, you have a uh, you have a sag. Yeah, I do. So, a thing came up recently, which really called to light some of those like thoughts that I have when when it comes to like things that happened in my childhood that make me question, is that a thing that actually happened or was I just young and like dreamt this or imagined that this happened? But it was in the days before everything was sort of cataloged on the internet. So there was a part of me that was like, this might've just been my fanciful imagination or whatever. Cause I tried looking it up and uh, I didn't find any evidence of it. So what it was is that when I was 13, I was in grade seven and I had a teacher who I'm not going to dox on here, but he did win the radio contest I'm about to allude to. So, like, his name is technically public knowledge. Sounds a lot like doxing him. Yeah, it does sound like doxing him. Um, we're just going to call him Joe Pound. So, Dr. Pound... <laughs> like that. <laughs> Dr. Pound comes into class one day. He sits down, and he was, like, our homeroom teacher, but he's also our math teacher. And he sits down, and he s- says that there's going to be a, a news coming out soon that he won a competition and it was run by Z953 which is a local radio station he was like oh yeah so this is a this is going to be a big thing and i just wanted to tell you guys i won and i won the grand prize and so if you're going to be hearing about that in the next little while that i just wanted you to be the first and we were all like 
Hell yeah, that's great, Mr. Pound. That's awesome, Dr. Pound. And then someone asks, like, so what was this competition? And the memory that I had is that he said he and like 10 other couples entered a competition to see who could impregnate their wife the fastest. (laughs) And then he won. Wait, 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 wait. So (laughs) I'm, I'm sorry. So your math teacher admitted in class that he impregnated his wife faster than like 10 other couples or nine other couples. That was the memory. And it was one of those things where everyone who was present years later was like, that wasn't, that was like a goof, right? That didn't actually happen. That that couldn't have been the real thing. It just sounds so weird that you're like, what? Because even as a kid, like you don't really think too much of a lot of the implications, but now as an adult, you're like, what a fucking strange thing to put to a class of 12 and 13 year olds. So I tried looking and the radio station didn't have a web presence back then. So I went to Reddit. I went to the Vancouver subreddit. I laid out basically that whole story and was like, does any, does anyone have any memory of this? Cause like, I can't, I can't have imagined this. And I got the usual response when I ask a question on Reddit where people tell me I'm a fucking idiot for asking a question. And then some people being like, Oh, that sounds about right. The radio was weird back then. And then the DJ from the radio station responded with this. <laughs> That's awesome. Hi there. My name's Drew, and my partner Nat and I, Nat and Drew in the morning, were hosting the morning show on Zed at the time, and yes, that contest happened. It was called the Breeders' Cup. No! The race to see who (laughs) can get pregnant first. Uh, Oh my god! Oh my god! (laughs) Morning radio DJs are crazy! It was an annual thing for a few years. But what's cool about the year you think it was an anal? Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) They did this every year. Yeah, for a couple years. And he says, but what's cool about the year you're referencing is that I still see that teacher. He and his wife live near me, and every so often we'll see each other out for walks. They keep me updated about how their son is doing. I believe he's competing on the national swim team a year or so ago. Was it bonkers? (laughs) Yes. Also, really fun and incredibly cool to see the families that were born out of it. Thanks for listening. (laughs) I'm sure it was fun there, buddy. All those years ago and for sharing the memory now. What the fuck are you on about, you fucking crazy spinster? So wait, hold on, hold on. So the the father had a strong swimmers and now his son is a strong swimmer. Uh, Shut the hell up. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck Fuck you, fuck you. And so I don't know what to do with that because there was always that part of my mind that was like, oh, well, I've Googled it over the years. I haven't found anything to corroborate this. So, yeah, like, have you guys had anything in your childhoods where you're like, oh, that was a that was like a that was a that was a dream. And then you find out that it was actually real. Yeah, I don't know. There's a few. Let's see. I have one particular that that sticks out in my mind, and that's that I thought I was dreaming. And uh, I was out at some strange dirt shack, like a shack out in the desert. It was lifted off the ground by supports and beams, and you had to get a get in a ladder to get inside of it. And the people I was visiting had all kinds of dirt bikes and quads and stuff. And they had a tiny TV that I saw the lost episode of SpongeBob on. They were advertising as a lost <laughs> episode. So specific. Well, it's very specific. And I thought it was a dream for the longest time. And I, I told my mom about it. I thought it would be a funny dream. She's like, Oh no, you 
you got a concussion that day. You fell off a motorcycle, and uh, <laughs> that's probably why you don't remember a whole lot of that. And uh, to her, I say, I was four years old. Why'd you let me on a dirt bike? That is a great question for your mom. <laughs> oh, I have all kinds of great questions for her. Don't let me st- hold this segment up, though. I, w- I was thinking about this because... I, I feel like a lot of the stories from my childhood, for those who've listened to the, the podcast uh, for a while now, will know that I will occasionally drop a traumatic childhood story that will uh, both be funny, but also I feel like come away with it being like, that really happened? And it's like, yeah. The thing that I remember is that I was, and I only know this because I recently found photographs from this trip, was that I was like, didn't remember that I was my dad took me to Hong Kong for like three weeks oh, wow. once when I was like six years old, seven years old. This was just around the time my parents were uh, divorcing. And so my dad was like, well, I got to go on this business trip. Might as well take my six-year-old son on. <laughs> I'll take my, yeah, I'll take my seven-year-old son. And I remember being like, why am I here? And it turns out my dad, one of his good friends, uh, uh, this guy named uh, Charles, he he had like a big house there and but the thing was is there was a woman who showed up who i remembered as being like like someone that my parents knew like and she was there and then i was like what the fuck like i was like kept being like why is she there like i don't why is she here and i was pretty i like looked back on it and i was like i think that's my woman that my dad may have been uh having an affair with and i don't know why i'm here now and i kept being like did this woman exist or not like am i is this just like a false memory? And then, yeah, I saw a photo and I saw the woman in the photo. I was like, oh my God, she's real. <laughs> like, she's real. I did go to Hong Kong. <laughs> I also remember from that trip uh, going to some tea house and everyone making a big deal that I was like the whitest little boy to ever be at the tea house. They're like, they're like this tea house is uh, over 100 years old and you're the youngest white boy to ever be in this tea house. Congratulations. <laughs> that, that's... And I do have a photo from the tea house. Oh, and nice, I was, yeah. Nice. I'm sure they and tell was... that to every little boy, <laughs> white little boy who goes yeah, in. Every, every little round eye that comes in. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like the way the, the places my dad would hang out or take me to, I don't really think uh, little boys should have been brought to in the first I place. I would so. probably agree with that. <laughs> I remember on the TV as well, in one of the hotel rooms we were at, like, uh, I believe like uh, Gundam was playing some sort of Gundam nice. show, but there was nothing in English. So and I just remember the flashing images and in that woman being like, he's going to have a seizure if he keeps staring at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't actually go to Hong Kong. You were just having a seizure and you imagined the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> never went there. That woman's still not real. <laughs> I do have a memory that uh, I can I, I, I can share that I, I wasn't 100% convinced was real. And it was that when I um, par- our family went to a family reunion. Uh, it was like a Delilah family reunion. There was in this family reunion, I'm a bunch of people. I have no idea. I remember a very I had a very strong memory of my dad sitting me down being like, son, you have to make eye contact. <laughs> and that from that moment on i was very i was like intensely making eye contact otherwise you know i don't know son you gotta stop being 
Can you do that for your pa? <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> my dad's the cure. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, my dad said, gotta get on the waves, brah. Gotta get Don't, on you the gotta waves, brah. You gotta let you gotta let those little piggies loose, all right? Those shoes are constricted. <laughs> Don't too, like that. Why is he talking like that in Idaho? <laughs> well, because your dad's always talking about being in the water, right? He's talking I didn't wear shoes yeah. for like four weeks. <laughs> that is literally something my dad has said. Yes, I know. <laughs> Sometimes I jerk off into the Pacific Ocean to feel alive again. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Sometimes while I'm hanging 10. <laughs> He's always hanging 10. Why do you guys make his dad sound like this? Because he sounds like that. Sometimes... Sometimes I want a shark to bite me so I can experience what it's like to be in the next life. Sometimes you just got to say cowabunga. Okay. So there was, despite them all being my, like, I guess, extended family, I don't know anybody. But during this uh, family reunion, there was a talent show. And the big thing was, is that I got second place in the talent show. I will say I lost to a bunch of professional cheerleaders. So was it cheerleading? I'm going to give props to the cheerleaders for fucking destroying a fire. <laughs> we don't give enough credit props to them. To them they brought their... almost losing to a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah, they could have been shit cheerleaders. Yeah, but instead they brought their A game. And, you know, they brought it on. Like the movie, Bring It On. Yeah. <laughs> what was your talent? Or should we guess? It was the Irish jig. I committed a cultural appropriation <laughs> to get second place in that talent show. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I did it. an Irish jig in cowboy boots. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah, I love that. Like, was your was people were people clapping? Oh, hundred percent. Like... People loved it. I I must have been so goddamn cute. <laughs> Oh, that was God. the one that was the same thing where my mom was trying to encourage my brother to go up on stage with me and compete with me. And and he was just like, no, no, no. It's weird because I feel like I've I've had a couple family reunions that I've been to. And like we've had like talent shows at ours. So it must be like a very tribal thing of like, let's see which branch has the best genes who can perform the best on who can stage. perform the best. Yeah. Because when I was nine, I went to a family reunion and I went up and told jokes that like I read in a joke book and people weren't laughing because they thought they were funny. They were laughing because they saw it was a novelty and they just wanted to like heckle me in the funniest way. So I get up as a nine year old and I was like, um, a a man walks into a bar. What does he say? And just some like drunk uncle from the back goes, oh, fuck. It just adds this kid. Yeah. And I was like, uh, no, he says, ouch. Thank you. Then I walked off stage. Oh, <laughs> oh fuck. That's what yeah. Cool. yeah. But yeah, that was, that was the first and only time that it, I ever, our family ever went to a, a family reunion. And that's kind of half the reason I didn't think it was real because we had never gone to one ever again. Okay. That's good. I'm my family never had a family reunion, let alone a family reunion, uh, talent show. Well, you come from a broken home, so. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's what, that's that's got to be the source of everything that's wrong with you, Robert. Your parents stay together. <laughs> you know what? Mm. Yeah, he's always looking for trauma. Well, don't pick on us broken kids, especially not Malcolm. He's tender. Wow, Sasha, your mom lets you have two segments? Wow. <laughs> she said I was a growing boy and I needed all my segments. <laughs> One of my segments didn't descend until I was four. 
Oh, oh. Yo, uh, Robert, I uh, just got to talk to you for a second. Uh, my favorite wedding guest, uh, he's got two segments, so you need you to shut the fuck oh, up. Oh, you're doing my dad. You're doing my dad. It took me a second. That's not how my dad talks. That's how Malcolm Bro, and Sasha imagine Sasha's segments, I, I, I got to say, he's got the nicest segments. God. It's primo, bro. You can't deny the segments. All right. Um, well, I was going to talk about, so do any of you know who the rapper... Um, Young Thug is. Yeah, I've heard of yeah. him. Yeah, isn't he getting a Rico charge or something right now? Young Thug is. He's got a Rico charge right now. He is uh, the head of the what prosecutors are alleging is a street gang, but he calls a record label, which is called YSL Records. So Death Row Records, um, but not. Yeah, it's like uh, as I guess a, a millennial Death Row, <laughs> but essentially, so he's under. Uh, he's got a lot of charges against him. Uh, which is the one of the things that's interesting about this case is that he is actually the test case for Donald Trump's own RICO trial because it's happening in the same county in Georgia, which is Fullerton County. Uh, okay. But here's the thing. His trial, Young Thug's trial, started on Monday as of this recording, which is November 27th. I'm going to list to you 15 of the most bizarre moments that have happened in this trial so far. Okay. Okay. Like, nothing I'm saying has been made up. Okay. So, it's it, part of, like, the, you know, this is the trial, but, like, in the part of, like, the pretrial, like, getting everything going, you know, there are other hearings. And one of the things that happened is that one of the, there's another rapper who's kind of been implicated in all these charges. So, like, there's a lot of just, like, gang-related charges, like, people being, you know, hired to, like, commit, like, hitmen stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's, drugs, that's the essentially what RICO you know. is. It's You can't charge them directly for the crime, but you can hire, fire, charge them with conspiracy or hiring people for doing all these things. So, essentially, when uh, Gunna, which is one of the rappers on the label who's been, you know, charged as being a part of this uh, gang. Um, was that the fellow that took a picture of himself at the murder scene? Maybe. <laughs> Post-murder um, selfie! <laughs> real, real bright bulb. With the uh, YSL uh, trial, it starts in January of this year. They are using some of the rap lyrics to uh, to sort of implicate um, Young Thug as being the head of this crime family known as YSL. Now, he read the lyrics to a song called Slime Shit. Associate of YSL released a song on YouTube titled Slime Shit, where the lyrics state, hey, this is that slime shit. Hey, YSL shit. Hey, killing 12 shit. Hey, fuck a jail shit. Hey, cooking white brick. Then the next day, uh, they had a Zoom play out because I think someone had COVID in which the uh, one of the Zooms was hijacked uh, and replaced with a video playing uh I, I this is the best way you could describe it is just pornography <laughs> they were playing <laughs> with a ma- and it was a, a fairly amateur production because they kept saying in the uh, video free young thug and it, it took <laughs> they're them just fucking they're just fucking on camera and so in the background it's just like free young thug free, free young, young thug, thug. <laughs> like it's subliminal messaging yeah so extension that was what's happening so then they had to cut that feed very quickly young thug so he has co-defendants and one of the co-defendants goes up to Young Thug, gives him in front of everyone a baggie of just drugs. He just hands him drugs. It turns out he gave Young Thug pers- uh, Percocets, marijuana, and tobacco in a little <laughs> rap plastic. Uh, in like, court. 
in court. It's a whole thing. I have the video if you want to see it. And immediately there's a lot of pandemonium as to like, how the hell did he get drugs in here? Why was he handed drugs? Why did he do it in front of everyone? How did he think they were not going to get noticed right away? Like the deputy like basically had to confront Young Thug and like take the pills and like turned into pandemonium. Uh, then one of the jurors on the who's in the trial or like during the uh, jury selection phase is punished because they decided to go on a trip to the Dominican Republic instead of going to jury duty. And when the woman returned, the judge was like, I need you to write a 30-page essay as to what is the significant role of being in jury duty and being a juror. And he was serious. What? He gave gave the woman three weeks to write a 30-page essay, and he was going, and this is his quote, I'm running it through a plagiarism checker. And it goes, and he goes, years ago, people who looked like us couldn't serve on juries. It was prohibited. (laughs) Yeah. And then additionally, the judge gave her strict guidelines on the paper, which included that it needed to be written the APA style with 10 primary sources (laughs) and 10 secondary sources. (laughs) Good Lord. Was she like, is that double spaced or single spaced? (laughs) (laughs) Single spaced. No! (laughs) Then one of the judge, one of, Young Gravy's lawyers was then threatened with his own jail time a few weeks later um, and was told by the same judge that he had to write a 17-page essay. Where's um, he pulling these numbers from? For being held in contempt of Wait, court. Where, why is this judge handing out fucking assignments? Like, this is AP English. Like, what the fuck is going on? So apparently what it, one of it was is that he was one of the jurors. He's this attorney, Eric R. Johnson who was, I guess, representing one of the co-defendants. And he reportedly, this is according to the article, I'm getting all this from XXL Mag, um, reportedly refused to buy lunch for other attorneys, and so the judge held him in contempt of court. <laughs> uh, and then he had to write the 17-page essay on, and his topic was the importance of professionalism in the court. And of course, <laughs> it had to be in the APA style, which included 20 primary and secondary sources. <laughs> and the judge gave him a deadline of a month uh, to turn his paper or he would face 20 jails in jail. And he said, I would suggest you write this in a satisfactory manner. A great suggestion. Then one of the other lawyers, kind of getting sick of what's going on with this judge, told the judge, uh, and this is a real, uh, in the pre-arguments, he goes, Hey, uh, hey, man! This is all cl- uh, this is all cap, to be honest, and that caused <laughs> <laughs> no cap <laughs> for real, for real. Quote is during the hearing, a lawyer stood before Judge Glanville to address accusations that the legal rep, along with other defense attorneys, were giving their clients candy and offering them to use their cell phones before trial, which is which the judge said was totally unacceptable. And that then that was one of the lawyers was like, it's cap. <laughs> it's cap, to be honest. It's, it's, and, not, it's great that they're being nice to them and giving them candy and letting them make phone calls. But don't worry, man. Another defense attorney. So this is now that's a second attempt. We're talking about a third one is then arrested for bringing contraband and assaulting an officer in the court. <laughs> We're living in idiocracy. Nothing can change my mind now. This is just the court scene from idiocracy. So he, yeah. So the attorney was uh, Anastasios, uh, Man, uh, was it Manetas? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's a Greek name. He was representing one of the co-defendants. And yeah, he was caught bringing uh, prescription pills into the 
um, into the courthouse for, I guess, for his clients. Sal Goodman ass lawyer. What the fuck? When he was caught, it was he was allegedly caught with the prescription pills in court, and then he threw his cell phone at a deputy to try to like get away. What the fuck? And then obviously he was arrested. Obviously he was arrested. So don't worry. Then a couple of weeks later, one of the public defenders is doing like an interview after one of like the pretrial stuff. And then she makes the remark, her name's Angela DeWilliams, um, that she's wanting to start at OnlyFans because of like the exposure she's getting. She goes, we were under the impression that Georgia Public Defender Council was advocating for us. And once they put those walls up, I'm thinking I need to start an OnlyFans. I asked for additional funds in March, and that was met with a letter from the director saying she doesn't need to meet with me anymore. I need to know what she has done to advocate for the appointed counsel in this case. So that happens, and a lot of people are going, what the fuck? Like, why are you bringing OnlyFans the, the into this? The public defender is threatening to start an OnlyFans is the way I can only, only way I can read that. She She's complaining that she's getting so, like, paid so poorly that she needs an OnlyFans just to, like, make ends meet. So that, so that um, lawyer that I talked about earlier, you know, the one who had to write the essay about professionalism? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because uh-huh. I know we've talked about three or four different lawyers. So he, because he wasn't, you know, wasn't willing to pay for, I guess, his turn for the lunch. So his thing is, this is all happening in Georgia. So what happens is he goes to uh, finally to make up for it. He's like, I'm going to pay for lunch for a whole week. Turns out he just goes to the strip club nearby, Magic City, which is known for the chicken wings. Oh, my and God. Just clears them out. <laughs> he clears them out. He got. He apparently got the chef to like come in early and just cook all the wings. Just brought in strip uh, club wings for the court. My God, what is going on in Georgia? They made a chef come in early, cook all those delicious wings. They were hot and ready for me to pick up at the time. They told me they made it, so I was very happy. And then he goes, "I like to support local businesses. <laughs> I like to support minority employers. You love to I've see been it. there many times to show my support for the local I've community. Been there many times. <laughs> for the local community. And then in the last again, this is all happening in the last couple of months. The next month, it goes one of the deputies, like who's like the court officers, she's arrested for smuggling more contraband in because she's having an affair with one of the co-defendants. What the fuck? Uh, the curse trial. And then it, this is the uh, one of the last parts. Uh, that's well, two more, but like one of. The, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it's crazier than the last. Then uh, one of the times there's a day, and this is what happened this week. So the judge got a new dog. He apparently Judge Glanville got a new dog, and he was like, "I don't have anyone to take care of it, so I'm just going to bring the dog into the courthouse." And then he told everyone, "If you hear a jingling sound like a bell." Please don't think I'm doing anything creepy up here. I have my dog. His name is Jack. I think some of you may have seen him already. He lives the best life ever. He's pampered. He's a Labrador retriever. All right. I mean, I could have been using the jingling excuse this whole time and just passed it <laughs> off on a dog. I could have been getting hit. Uh, and then one of the the last the last bit was that one of the co-defendants they revealed where he was um where he was arrested and it turns out that the co-defendant known as Shannon SB Stillwell was uh he was arrested at a what he called a religious ceremony in which he was in at the moment the cops showed up sacrificing a goat. Oh. A live goat. So they, Whoa. They show him up and oh. they could yeah. Ooh. 
And that they, yeah, then he was making the argument that like the cops could like had unlawfully like disrupted his religious practices. They should have waited afterwards. And yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> uh, and apparently everyone was, all the worshipers who were there were all wearing white in the sacrifice of uh, the goats in an effort to forth or to bring forth Loa, which helped to run the universe and grant blessings. Huh? Uh, when yeah, when asked about which like religion this was, they couldn't give an answer. <laughs> so that just I know that was a lot to take in. I know I didn't give you guys a lot to uh You forgot the best part that. of the trial. What was the best part? What was your in your opinion the best part? When Young Thug's lawyer says that Young Thug stands for truly humble under God. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. That's awesome. Possibly the most chicanerous <laughs> statement ever uttered in a courtroom. Okay, let's let's cap this out with the user fucking question. Then then we then we can then we can hop out of this hellish existence of ours. Okay, so we have a question uh, that's coming from someone who would like to be known as Archie, and their question is: Sign fuck nation, what's up? <laughs> what's you up? Do a, uh, you fellas do a lot of musical bits on the pod, so here's a question for the fellas. If you had to write and perform a musical about any historical event or person, who or what would it be about? Ooh, that is a thinker, isn't it? It's not so easy to answer right off the bat. I, I, I think I've got a, I've got a fair answer, but I'm, I'm I am curious. Well, you about, go then. Okay. Yeah, you Stop go. Why are you making us, us suffer? For being like, because no, usually I'm the one who reads the questions, then you guys chime in. Come on. Yeah, and you said last week that you read these weeks in advance, so you've had time to stew on this. No, this one I I read today, like an okay. hour ago. That's great. I have more time to prepare. Uh, I'd love to write a, a musical ballad uh, about uh, Emperor Norton. Do you know about Emperor Norton? Oh, is he is he the guy in San Francisco? Yeah, he's the absolutely insane guy, Emperor Norton. I'm trying to remember his full name right now, but he was a, a guy, a businessman who basically became bankrupt after like betting on like like South American rice, something ridiculous. But he lived in San Francisco. He afterwards he went fucking insane, and he ended up declaring himself Emperor of these United States. The, and protectorate of Mexico and all this other stuff. Obviously, he's crazy. But the 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 funniest part about it is that people fucking love the guy. Love the guy. He gave out his own fucking currency that people paid real American dollars for in like a whole fucking thing. He was friends with Mark Twain. He was like, and now like a, a huge section of the Golden Gate Bridge is named after him. And so he's like incredibly interesting person. I would definitely recommends you look him up but just an absolutely insane motherfucker who succeeded in being insane as as well as you can succeed in that i like that answer that's actually really good although i think there's something very funny about having a section a section of, of a bridge of yeah. a bridge named after you but not the whole he bridge is very <laughs> contentious <laughs> that's just something like, that the golden gate bridge has that there's sections named after uh different people from yeah, it yeah you're like you you get the stretch from you know <laughs> This this one mile stretch is named after you, <laughs> and no one will know. But he's got his own building. He's got that used to be like the little hotel that he ran out of. And okay, I've got an answer. Oh yeah, I would do a musical about the life and career of the band, the Beatles. But oh, every song would be 
Escape the Pina Colada song by Rupert Holmes. (laughs) (laughs) So it would be like the four of them being like, well, I guess it's just been a, uh, a hard day's night. Oh, one, a two, a one, two, three, a one, two, three. Boom, boom, boom. For everything. You're going to get a copyright strike. Absolutely. Uh, I actually, I have an answer now. I know what mine's going to be. Okay, okay. I think I would write a musical about the most infamous first lady to ever exist. (laughs) Miss Nancy? (laughs) Miss Nancy Reagan. All right, and it'll be about her times on the MGM lot when she became the throat. Gouge, no, you got to right? go into the the the, the presidency. You got to go into it. You got to specifically. Oh no, it'll it'll end with yeah, we'll end with her in the presidency. But we got to begin with her time on the lot. I can you know? already see like the posters for this, Malcolm. It, it's like it's it's the presidential desk. It is just the, the the like you know backdrop of the Oval Office, and then you just see a pair of knees underneath the table. <laughs> yeah, and the tagline will be she's doing her own kind of throat singing (laughs) (laughs) yeah it'll it'll be before the uh, before nancy reagan there was miss davis (laughs) and then there'll be a there'll be a ballad where she's trying to suck uh uh, rock hudson and rock hudson's like no 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 (laughs) no 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 no, no. you can't suck me have you met my friend ronald (laughs) no i mean we'll just call it throat goat the musical and we will that that's it well, you guys have such good ones. Uh, I really don't know what I would make mine about. I guess if I had to pick one, I would make a I'd make a little number about how uh, the former and most famous CIA director had a terrible secret, and that is J. Edgar Hoover liked to cross-dress, and he is not a man that can serve at all. See, th- that's a thing that I would say, like, I, if someone asked me, oh, or if someone told, went up to me one day and said, oh, have you heard about that new musical about J. Edgar Hoover? I'd kind of believe it's real. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty tangible, right? Have them come up to him and, like, ask some serious questions about, like, contention over the Middle East versus Russia. And he'll be like, yes, yes, these reports are very important. Send them to, send them to the president immediately. And then he leaves. And he's just like, finally alone with my brazier you know <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that it's just that he was a cia director yeah and it was, the rumor was is that his number two uh clyde tolson was actually his longtime lover mm. wow interesting because they rode to uh to and from work together ate lunch and were oh so now if i carpool i'm gay now malcolm is that what it means yeah <laughs> damn it <laughs> i'm gonna change i should have known well when you cut when we're you know listen when you are cutting off the crust of uh your friend's sandwiches then maybe, maybe i'm gonna actually write a musical about mccarthyism but frame it like he was right but <laughs> <laughs> your answer was gonna be you were gonna have a um uh, do uh, the the life of uh famed wrestler the miz where the, the, the story is called There's No Misness Like Show Misness. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so much.